Welcome to Mama Talk Talks, A Different Take, a podcast where everyday people around the globe share a different take on everyday issues. I'm your host, Abi Mambo, and I'm pleased you're joining us today. Welcome. Hi, Safi. Hello, Abam. I am so excited that you were able to join me today. This is one of those shows where we talk about all kinds of things, but today we're talking about fashion, which is one of my favorite things. And Safia Tusek is the founder and CEO of Soraya Fashion. And Safia, I will let you introduce yourself and talk about your fabulous, fabulous line. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so, likewise, I'm so excited. So basically, my name is Safia Tusek, and I am the founder of the brand. It's actually Saraya. It's not Saraya Fashion. Oh. Sorry, because I know my Instagram is Saraya Fashion. So yeah. So there is a little bit of confusion, but it's Saraya, S-A-R-A-Y-A-A. And basically, it's a high-end clothing brand for women. It's trendy modern, so I'm mixing basically African fabric with modern styles. The brand was created in 2015. I am passionate of fashion. But I am trained and uh, I'm an economist by training. Oh. So it took me a while. Yeah, yeah. It took me a while to basically decide to just get up and do it because I've been wanting to do it all my life. Problem is, like, you know, in Africa, like, being a stylist and designer is not a job. <laughs> so you, my parents were like, you have to choose. <laughs> it's a, something that is more serious so that you get respect. So so that's what people think here. Yep. So yep. I decided to be an economist. And, and I'm not actually glad to have done it because it's really helping me with my line. Awesome. So first of all, I didn't know that about you, that you're an economist. I knew you had a whole other career before Soraya. And thanks for the correction of Soraya Fashion because I've always called it Soraya Fashions. But what does Soraya mean, if anything? Soraya is basically a region in Senegal, in, a, in southeast of Senegal, and it's a region that uh, produces gold. Uh, Ooh, yes. I see how yes, you're thinking. Yes. And, yeah, and, and I love the name. The name is so, you know, and it's, it's really easy to pronounce. And basically, the name is made in Senegal. (laughs) So, yeah, and I thought, like, and gold is really precious. I consider women to be precious. Yes. So I just made the link, and I was like, yeah, that would be a perfect name. I love it. I love it. And one of the things that I was really stoked about with today's show was also the fact that I could say something like, I've been dressed by Saraya. (laughs) Yes. Some, yes, of you my, have. some of my favorite pieces are actually from you. And I remember when I bought the first piece, the, I think it was the yellow one, the yellow yes. top. And I have to put a picture of this up on the, on the website when I post this episode because I felt so strong, but at the same time, sexy and like feminine. So it's a combination of things. It's like you're sexy, but you're still feminine but you're strong so give me a sense of what goes behind your designs what are you thinking about when you're putting together these fabulous clothes i am so glad you said it because that's what i want the brand to be to empower women yeah you know but at the same time you know to feel very sexy Mm. you know and 
myself, I've been so frustrated about fashion because I consider that fashion is so flat right now. Like there is nothing going on with fashion in terms of colors, in terms of designs. Mm. And, and I was like, first of all, you know, I'm very passionate. I've been dressed like that. I mean, I've been, you know, making my clothes, my own clothes, you know, forever. But I guess feeling strong, you know, I'm daughter of a military. And I remember when I was young, I was putting my dad's, we call it decoration, decoration, you know, you know, my dad is basically a general. Oh, wow. So believe it or not, like I was taking his decoration as a general and I was putting it on myself. I would design a dress with it and I, and I would just put it on top, you know? Yeah. So, you know, and I was born, I was raised to be very independent woman, a very strong woman. And, and, but at the same time, you know, I always thought that the combination of making the woman very feminine and very sexy is still important. Yep. Yes, yes. So both of them, you know, being independent, being self-assured, like, yeah. you know, believing in yourself and you're standing head high. All of this is very important, but at the same time, you're still a woman. Yeah. So sexiness of us, the feminine of us, you know, have to come out also. So my style kind of, not always, but very respect you the you know the woman's form and stuff and the hips and the breasts and all of that you know to me is very important yeah you know especially for the black woman and that's why I'm saying that I've been very frustrated because I feel like the black woman is not necessarily represented in terms of fashion because most of us we are being dressed from fashion coming from outside and but we have our own norms yeah small medium and large is a concept is a concept from outside there is no African small medium and large so we have to adapt basically to to the others and we can't because our body and their body is just not the same so the African woman's shape is to me is amazing so guess what I'm very all the time, I'm very uh, frustrated when I go to fashion shows because they bring, you know, those women that are so skinny and stuff. And to me, I need this. I need the breasts. I need, you know, I need all of that, you know. Hopefully, I'm going to be able to put on the table the African small, medium, and large. I'm actually an extra large, and I'm actually working on it. It's very important. I would love to see that. Although I feel like, ooh, when she said the part about skinny, then she doesn't want me on her show <laughs> because... I- no, but- Girl, you still have the shape. You know, you have, you still have the Coca-Cola shape. That's what I could, the Coca-Cola shape. I will shape, take that. You know? I will take yes, that. you do. Because, I mean, you wear the clothes pretty well. I mean, like, I'm amazed when you wear them, honestly. Keep it coming. <laughs> I, I, I need my Sarah clothes coming. So, Safi, one of the things that, and your passion clearly comes through just in hearing you talk. One of the things that I noticed about you when we met, I think it was ALN, or thereafter in Johannesburg, we reconnected. The passion with which we are talking about your clothes, and I remember that particular yellow top, you were telling me about the fabric and the origins of the different fabrics and how you pull them together. So just talk to me a little bit about that some more because I found that kind of fusion very interesting in the way it kind of merged cultures and times and socioeconomic status like there was such a diversity and thought that went into that work and i want to hear talk about that again the origin of the fabric is extremely extremely important to me because african fabric the only african fabric that we there is is the hand woven all the printed fabric are not don't come from africa but a lot of them are inspired by african style african colors and stuff 
So every fabric that actually shows some kind of African background, you know, I'm interested in. But I'm really fond of fabric that we make, which are, you know, hand-weaving. And we have it in Senegal, we have it in Mali, we have it in Ghana, you know, all West African part, you know, we have it. But when I use them, I have to mix them with something because those fabrics are very heavy. So if you use all of them, it will be too heavy on you, you might be hot and stuff. So the signature of the brand uh, is actually shown by those fabrics, basically. You know, when it's handwoven, there should be some saraya. It could be another brand. But the way I actually mix them, for example, like I will mix, I will take, you know, hand weaving and, you know, leather and then I mix it with some and a fabric that is coming from another country, so, you know, cotton or whatever. Yeah. So I believe in specialization. Mm. I believe in specialization. Africa, West Africa, Senegal or Ivory Coast or Mali are specialized in hand weaving fabric. Yeah. So I have to use those. I am not going to make some cotton fabric because some other people are specialized in those. In those. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I don't believe in making my clothing, you know, outside of Senegal. We have all the resources. We have the people. We have the fabric. So I don't need, you know, to go to some other country buy some handwritten fabric, put it on my suitcase. No, everything is available, you know, <laughs> you know, at home. Yeah. And Senegal is a very interesting city of fashion. We have everything we need, everything we need. So, but the speciality really of Saraya is the hand weaving. I'm really, really fond of of hand weaving. And the thing is, traveling around the world, like the capital of fashion, like France and uh, Italy or whatever, when you wear those fabric on top, you get stopped because people are like, okay, what is it? Where does it come Come from? from? So you have to go into something where you have the competitive and comparative advantage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That will make the difference. So to me, it's very important, the mixture, but knowing that the signature is something that is coming from where I'm from, Senegal. So so that's a really great segue because my next question was going to be around, you are very clear that you want to make clothes for African women. Obviously, I know you dress women across the spectrum. So how do you... Knowing that you're really thinking about the African form, the African woman's form, and there isn't one form, we understand that it's a spectrum. But how do you then design and market to non-African women? Basically, everything, first of all, has to come from you, your identity, your vision. And you don't necessarily have to adapt all the time to whatever the world wants. Yeah, Everything has to come from something which is a vision. Okay, I love things that are tragic modern. I love things that are that embraces somewhat other culture, but knowing that the basis will be something that it, that will be coming from where I'm from. Basically, embracing my vision and respecting my vision and staying true to myself. For some reasons, people have adapted well and people have liked it. So wherever I'm going, I will still stay myself. Yeah, I will still respect Saraya's identity, and people seem to like it. Yeah, because I really want my brand to be, my ambition is to be a world brand where it will be just the woman, not just the black woman, but it will be any kind of woman who will, will just like it. And so wherever I go, instead of like trying to look at the market and see what people like, what, I'm just staying, you know, true to myself again. And then luckily, you know, people have been like, I'm very lucky. Yeah. But at the same time, but you're right, your question is is a good one because, of course, 
when you go to the country, like the sizes are different. Yes. That's for sure. Yes. For sure. The sizes are different. So um, I do made to, made to measure, but that's really not something I would like to, to keep because a made to measure is very, very difficult you know, for a very small uh, company like my, like Saraya. Um, I will have sooner or later have to do small, medium, and large. Now I will have to see you know, which one is the best, you know, yeah, because yeah. each time you have to make something and you have to adapt to one woman's body and you have several of them, it makes the business model very, very difficult. difficult. Yeah, yeah. So what, what kind of, we will eventually go back to how Saraya came into being, how you went from an economist into, into fashion design. But talk to me a bit right now just about how Saraya is doing. I know that sometimes it's said that, you know, especially to your point earlier, the fashion capitals are New York and Milan and Paris. One, the African fashion landscape, what does that look like? And where does Saraya fit into that larger narrative? Uh, you know, there is a need right now. Uh, there is a need, you know, basically the African fashion is completely untapped. It's completely untapped. Now everybody's talking about, you know, African fashion. You see it in movies, you see it, uh, you see it basically everywhere. You see it, you know, in the magazine. And and my brand is a high-end brand. It's a high-end brand, meaning that it's coming very exclusive. It's coming with certain prices and stuff. Oh, yeah, no, about in those Africa, prices. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> about those prices. And in Africa, basically... I knew from the beginning that it would be a challenge to basically study in Africa and just concentrate in Africa, especially in Senegal. The market is very narrow in Senegal. So I knew from the beginning, as an economist, you anticipate a lot. So I knew from the beginning that anyways, the market would not be ready. It's mm-hmm. coming, but it, it was uh, five years ago, it wasn't ready at all. So I decided from the from the beginning to just attack, you know, the foreign markets. And as far as the foreign market is, is concerned, you know, like you know, the brand is the brand is doing well. You know, people are ready to you know to put whatever prices. But in Africa, I'm having a challenge yeah. because you know, and I've been talking about it so many times, and and I really want to change people's mentality because whatever is good and whatever is perfect, whatever is amazing, can also be done in Africa. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm traveling to to fairs, fashion fairs, yeah, when it's African, people in their heads think that whatever they're going to see in that fair will be average or will be of low quality. Mm-hmm. They expect that because that's what sometimes we, we, we expect from us. You know, there is this complex of inferiority where people think that whatever good, whatever is good, whatever is perfect, only has to come from outside. So when I go to those fair, people are like, oh, okay, we were not expecting that. Yeah. So therefore, we are not expecting the price. But we do understand why it is that price. Yeah. I will go to some other market, people will tell me, mm, you know what, your price are not high enough. Because oh, wow. this is a different kind of, oh yeah, a different kind of fashion. I, you know, I saw a stylist in the US and that stylist was like, oh my God, like if you continue like that, you are going to you lose your brand. You have to multiply at least by six. I was like, what? No, that's impossible. And that person was like, no, no, honestly, you know? So it really depends. but. I'm still having that challenge. Yeah. Uh, getting there, people are, are understanding more and more, <clears throat> and people are buying. The brand is growing slowly, but, but, sure, but mm-hmm. it is growing. Yeah. It is growing. The idea is not necessarily to sell clothes. The uh-huh. idea is, is to inspire a dream. Mm. That it is to inspire a dream. 
that Africa can do it. We also can do it. We love also big brands. Yeah, we do. I do too, you know. <laughs> but big brands, one of the reasons why they're being successful is because we are supporting them, because we think about them, yeah. because we, you know, I was having a conversation with a lot of, you know, African-American women, and I, and I did tell them, I've been having a lot of challenge with us, you know, black women in, into buying my, you know, my clothes. You will see a woman with a beautiful bag, you know, that she spent, you know, $5,000 on it, but she refused, you know, to spend 400, you know, 500 or 600, you know, on, on something that is made in Africa. And those people want so much my clothes because I don't want to pay because in their head, yeah. in their head, you know, it, it's not, it's just not worth it. Yeah. So, and I, and I was like, and I was like, you know, when I was young and when I was watching American TV, the videos until now, people are, are singing about those big brands. And I was like, so when are we going to sing us? Yeah. When are we going yeah. to support each other? When these people, those big brands, they started like me, but the only difference is that they had a community behind them. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of whether there there was this or there was that, you know, there were they there are so many communities that support each other. I give the example of the Chinese dollar. Before before the Chinese dollars get out of the Chinese community, it takes one month. The black dollars it take one or two hours and it's gone. So explain what you mean by that. Explain what you mean. I think it, I'm it, tracking it, with. Yeah. It means that we'll eat Chinese, we'll dress Chinese, mm. you know, well, well, whatever he's going to spend, he is going to make sure that he's going to go to a, a Chinese store or to a Chinese doctor or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Mm. Us, it doesn't play, it doesn't work like, like that. As soon as you have that money, we don't spend it, you know, in the black community. We, we go outside of, commu uh, of our communities. And as I say, you know, I'm really trying to create an I don't know, a movement, if I should, yes. ex if I should yeah. expect myself, just to say that we have it, you know, we have everything. And you want to support the others, that's fine. But okay, we have to support each other too. Yeah. We support everybody except Else. ourselves. No, I hear you. And, and the point you just made about the brands that are being sung about in, in music videos and whatever else, it really strikes home because I'm sitting here thinking, right, right. I don't remember hearing about... Actually, now that I think about it, how many African designers do I know, right? There is you, there is, don't tell me, I have, I have his jacket, the designer in, I think he's based out of Johannesburg. Okay. Um, I forget his name, but you see what I mean, but I can rattle off John Ford, Naked Apes. Jimmy Choo. Naked Apes? No. No, it's not that. It's, no, it's no. not that. But that's my point. I just proved mm -hmm. the point. I can talk about Vera Wang, I can talk about Jimmy Choo, I can talk about my lubes. Here, I've just talked about Soraya, and then I can't even remember the name of the second designer, whose jacket I really, literally wore two days ago. So there, there's something to what you're saying, because I think your point is, and using music as an example, we have to support our brand, and music is one way to permeate culture. And if we talk about our brand, if we hear about our brand and they're dancing in the clubs to worry about, about our brand, that is marketing. So, you know, maybe you should hop over from Senegal over to Lagos there and get Tiwa and, and Yemi to, <laughs> to yeah, like of Saraya and, and get to dancing and singing with you. But the point is very well taken about ensuring that we're supporting our communities because, yeah, I just, I just proved it. I do not remember. Yeah, 
yeah, I mean, the day we are going to start celebrating us and singing about us, that's going to make the whole difference. Like, go on YouTube, go on the music, and you will see all of these people, all of those foreign brands that we are singing about. Every single day it happens. Every single day. Why don't you, like, I don't know, do a music video or whatever, you know, you wear something, you tell about, you know, the designer you are wearing. Yeah. You know? That's, that's what we should be doing. Yeah, we need more cross-collabo. So... Before we shift gears a little bit from present to past, I, I just love asking people these kind of questions. Who are some of the people that you would love to dress and why? <laughs> Oprah Winfrey, definitely. Because, you know, that woman has a way, you know, to, to support people. I really would like to do it, you know, one day because she, you know, I'm following that woman and, and, and the work that she's doing around. And of course, you dress Oprah, Oprah with face. That's it. That's it. You know, everybody <laughs> will know about you. Everybody will know about. Yeah. So, so yeah, I would love to dress that woman. I would love to dress that woman. Definitely. I, I, so when people listen to this, they won't see what I see, which is how you looked, just talking about that and talking about that line where you said the way she supports people the energy and the passion that went behind that line. And, and it's a very big thing, right? Because I think mm -hmm. that's one of the things we talk about a lot as people in general, and then as women, and then as black women, and then as African women, and then as whatever. Slice and dice it however you want. But this question of support and how do you pull people with you? And sometimes how do you get behind them so that you can just push them, right? So, I mean, that's a powerful reason. So thank you for sharing that. Now... You were born in Senegal, and you're Senegalese of heritage. So how did Saraya come to be? Okay, as I said at the beginning, like I was, I have always been passionate about fashion, and people will always ask me on the street, who is that from? And, and I would, you know, design my clothes, you know, myself. And, you know, everybody asked me about it. My parents were like, you know, no, 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 you know, we can't do it because... Because for this and that reason that we talked at the beginning, the thing is, there is a, a saying that says, chasse le naturel, il revient au galop. Meaning, you can chase away whatever you took, it's going to come in your back and tap you on the back, say, hey, I'm still here. I'm still here. here. You know? And I remember being in Washington, D.C., because I had opened a store in there. And my father was a diplomat at that moment. And he was working on the African Growth and Opportunity Act, which is a bill that allows African countries to export to the United States without without paying customs or whatever. Yeah. And and I was like, oh wow, you know, this definitely. So I opened my store and, I, and then years later I decided to go back and I was like, you know, there is Agoa. So basically whatever you're doing, you can just go back home and start to do your brand and then export. But then, you know, I went back home and I had cold feet because I was like, oh my goodness, oh no, 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 no. Like, like and that's how I ended up at the, at the American embassy. And there was like this big trigger. And uh, so this, this woman, uh, uh, President Obama and his wife come in 2013 in Dakar. Mm -hmm. And I was at the American embassy, working at the American embassy. And so like, I was part of the team that was organizing the logistic of the visit. You know, yeah. I was in Gore Island. So the prison couple were coming. And so then this lady comes to me and she was like, your dress. And I was like, uh, what do you mean? She's like, whom? And she was the assistant of the couple. 
And she was like, your dress? And I was like, yeah. She was like, well, who made your dress? I said, myself. And she was like, Mrs. Obama would have loved to have your, your dress. Oh, wow. That was a trigger. So that was a trigger. Then I was like, uh-uh, see? <laughs> like, God is sending me so many messages. You know, I'm just turning my head. Yeah. This, you have to take that opportunity. So yeah. months later, I decided to leave, you know, my, my job. A and month I, later. And here is how. Mm-hmm. No, no, months later. Like, they came in June 2013, and I left in 2014. Wow. End of 2013. So I really had to work you know, to prepare and everything, and I was like, that's it. So, you know, I decided to leave my job, and, I like, I left my job in October 2014. I created my brand in November 2014. And in February 2015, I was already in a fair in Paris. So you were ready. And I op- yes, I was ready. And I opened the door of Saraya in April 2015. And then big fashion show one month later. And two months later, a fashion show in Paris. It went so quick. So quick. That's, that's what happens when you're walking in your purpose, right? When doors start to just open for you, it's like, okay, you found a thing that you came here to do. And so life doesn't fight you. It actually exactly. works with you. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I knew, I definitely knew that it was my calling. But at the same time, Saraya has been an amazing tool because I've, I have been fighting mental health, you know, and now I'm, I'm much, 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 much better. Like I'm over the, the highest. Uh, and then that's something I cannot talk about Saraya without talking about this. Depression is, is a very serious issue. Mm. And Saraya really have helped me overcome, you know, uh, that depression. Actually, the moment where I was in my lowest were the moment where my creativity was the most amazing. Isn't it amazing how that happens? Like, it's so strange. Yes, yes. yes. You know, you touched on a subject that's near and dear to my heart. So with your permission, I want us to go a bit deeper. And it's near and dear to my heart because I think... Depression and any kind of mental illness is not something in many communities that we talk about, right? It's not just African communities. You know, I'm based in Singapore and I've gotten to understand and learn Asian culture. And there's that very similar culture of silence around any form of mental illness. So talk to me about your journey, Safi, and how Saraya, the role that Saraya played in that journey and how you are doing now. So, you know, you said something that, that is so true. We don't talk about depression. You know, in most part in Africa, depression means somebody who is basically crazy. Is that the right term? Like somebody who is not well in the head, somebody yeah. who's lost in the head. So you basically don't talk about depression. That's number one. Number two, people don't know about depression. People don't even know that it exists. They might be not well in their head because they don't know that they are depressed. So a lot of people Mm -hmm. don't understand it. A lot of people don't talk about it because a lot of people told me, don't talk about it. Just don't talk about it. That's something we don't talk about. But the thing is, when you don't talk about it, you suffer in silence. You suffer to a point of no return. Yeah. Because you are by yourself and you don't talk about it. The pain is so real. The pain is just so real. And I thought, oh my God, I thought that I would never get out. 
from it. Never, 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 never get out because there is nobody I could talk to. Yeah. You know, my surrounding, you know, people, because people don't understand. It's not that they don't want to. It's just that they don't understand what yeah. depression is. And I was lucky to have the doctor that I have to talk to, but still, you know, I would see the doctor like once a week. It was just not even enough. I was by myself, you know, fighting it. And, and I thought to myself, because I thought it was the end. I really thought it was the end. I, would, I thought I was not going to make it. But each day I was, I was praying and I was like, the pain is so real. So if I'm coming out of it, I will have, each time I'm going to hear somebody suffering from it, I will have to go help. Yeah. Systematically. And I was sitting one day with a friend and we were talking about my depression. And she confessed to me that her daughter was suffering. The moment she told me that, I took the plane. Her, you know, her daughter never met me. And so I took the plane. I was like, I have to go help her. Yeah. And it made the difference because the parents didn't, did not know how to go about it. Yeah. As, you know, my parents, they did not know how to go about it either. So, and it made the whole difference because she could talk and I had to put my shoes into her shoes. Like, you know, me too, who, you know, yeah. I have suffered from it. Yeah. And this is how it happened. This is how, and she started to speak and to talk. And we spent a week together. It made the whole difference. But the thing is, how many other women are suffering, you know, oh, from people, it? And me, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and me, and I, I was lucky to have to basically have something I could cry on, something I could talk to, and something I could, which is Saraya, and which is my brand. My creativity was just out there. Like it was just at its highest, you know. Uh, because I could talk to myself, I would talk to my clothes, I would talk, and they would speak to me also. And it gave me a sense of importance yeah. because I could, I was important just because when you are depressed, you feel like you, you are nothing, you don't represent anything, you have no value or whatsoever. But I had to be something for my brand. Mm. I had to be something for my brand, mm. for my brand to exist because Saraya is my baby. Yeah. That is my baby, my life. Is Saraya. That's something I have created. So I'm like, you know, if there is no me, there is no Saraya. So I am important for at least something. Wow. And that's how I, you know, and my, as I said, best, you know, creation that people are, can really relate to or that people really love are the one that I made during when I was my lowest, you know, in my depression. So the lesson that I have from it is that we have to be so kind, kind with ourselves, you know. Yes. We have to be so, we have to have that ear listening. We have to be kind, we have to be treated, we have to treat each, each other with love and, and respect and and because everything can end, everything can end. Okay. And I consider myself yeah. so lucky because, because I have had another chance to to basically get out of that depression and, yeah. and do what I do today. Safi, first of all, Thank you for sharing what is a deeply, deeply personal story and a personal journey. And I just, I just want to unpack a few things because, like I said, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart because I've been going on for some time now about the importance of speaking up in our communities in particular where we're not allowed to talk about a lot of things. We sweep things under the rug. And I've always maintained that it's important for us to speak up, but it's perhaps more important that we're surrounded by people who create a space where we can speak up and we can be heard. Because one of the challenges is if you're in pain or you're suffering and you say it and people say, especially if you're depressed and, and they dismiss it like, oh, 
one thing that we used to hear growing up is that's the white man's disease, right? Mm-hmm. Or that's a yep. rich person's disease. Real people don't have those kind of problems. Once that kind of dismissal of something that you're going through comes in, people people shut down. So I try to be very balanced in my messaging, which is we need to speak up and we're, we're feeling pain and we're feeling trauma. Also, we have a joint responsibility as a community of people who are sharing this space, right, called Earth, to make it okay for people to say, I'm in pain. I need help. Do you see me? Do you hear me? Can I talk to you? And, and that part, I don't think we're there yet. So for me, it's helpful in, in, in hearing your journey. And I want to go back to the beginning, if you remember what the beginning is. Because one thing you said was, sometimes people don't even know that they're depressed. They know that there's something that's not quite right, but they don't know that it's depression. So if you think back to, on your journey, when did you have an inkling that you might be depressed? And that you weren't just having a bad day or another bad week or another um, bad month? When, like... My critical thinking had completely disappeared. I could not think anymore. Hmm. I could not think anymore. Where one plus one, I could not add. I was, it was just not me. It was just not me. That was like, you know, you will often say, oh, I'm, I'm just depressed, just like that. But that one was just much deeper. It was much deeper. Like, yeah. I felt like I was not going to come out of it. I could not speak either. For a while, uh, yeah, I could not speak. Yeah. Like I could not, like even speaking. Like having, it was gosh, it was so. It's so difficult, you know, to describe. Yeah. All I can say is that it's the pain is just real. The pain in your head is just real. Those thoughts that you have in your head, like ten thousand of them, which are not getting out of your head. I yeah. knew from there that there was something wrong. I knew from there that there was something wrong. Yeah. You know. A lot of women don't get up and decide to, you know, to go and see the doctor. I was like, no way, no way. I have to go see a doctor. I have to talk about it and I have to say, and there is nothing wrong about it. There is something that you said earlier that is very important, which is a sense of responsibility. I feel like I'm now responsible now that I've went through it. It is my responsibility to help somebody who went through the same thing I went through. Yeah. And it's about also generosity. It's yes. about being generous, generous with each other. That's extremely important. I am not going to keep it for myself. Why should I keep it for myself? Is it going to help somebody? It is not going to help anybody. Yeah. So if I heal somebody, whether I know that person, whether that person is my enemy, whatever, I have to go and help because depression is really serious. It is extremely serious. We have the responsibility to take care of, of each other. That's extremely important because that's what I wanted and I did not have it. And I did not have it, but I had the strength enough to just get up and and seek for some help. Some of the people will not. They will just kill themselves. That's it. And that's it. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I, I need, and that's what it is all about. It's about responsibility. It's, it's about being generous. It's about have, having empathy. That's, and especially if the, the society is blocking you from going towards, you know, helping those people, you have to, you have to fight that. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And that's our responsibility. Nobody else is going to do it for us There's, but ourselves. There is something you said mm-hmm. earlier on that I latched on to, which is we, we, we have to be gentle with ourselves. I think that one of the new, I don't even know if it's new because I feel like even I have been on this track for, for the last decade at least. This new thing of I'm busy. We're all so busy. 
right we are going around we're getting on airplanes we're going to the farm we're going to school we're doing all these things we're so busy that the first thing we lose touch with is ourselves right so and today was one of those days where i get to the end of the day and i realize wait a minute i haven't eaten and i haven't drunk water what is wrong with this picture but you know what my first question when I, when my son, before my son goes to school, did you eat? What did you eat? We talk about breakfast. We make sure he has lunch. Dinner time, what's for dinner? And to be able to come out of that and say, it's wonderful to take care of your children. You're responsible for them and for the rest of your family. Why is it that we can't give ourselves just a little bit of that attention, right? So that, that when you said that, it struck me personally because it's something that I, I struggle with and I have to work on, which is, Stop being so busy. You talked about the fact that, you know, in your darkest days, you were engaging with Saraya and that pulled you through. If you think about everybody that you were taking care of, right, out there, whoever they are, in that moment, it was Saraya that was there. It's so Mm -hmm. interesting that we don't have that perspective until we're really far gone, right? And something like that has to pull us out. So I have taken so much from what you said, and I'm so, 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 so thankful that you talked about it. Because again, this is not something people want to talk about because it is still such a stigma in so many communities. But my mission is really to, um, now it's part of my mission. It is part of my mission. Like, um, we, we don't talk about it for the wrong reasons because yes. it is not going to help anyways. That's number one. Number two, you have to take care of you because if there is no you, there will be nothing. Yeah. And number three, depression can happen to anybody. Anybody. I saw some frightening statistics. I don't know which country it was, uh, the black, uh, I don't remember, but the, in the black community, one out of three Black people go through the, through the depression, you know? It really is serious. And the reason why it is so vast is because we don't take, take care about it the right way. It's because we don't talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't talk about it, you know? And this has to stop. And talking about it will make the whole difference because you will start understanding. Because when you are depressed, sometimes you, you just don't know. You know yeah. that you're feeling strange. Yeah. But the fact of having that information that when you're having a depression, depression and two you are going to get over it because a lot of people that are depressed do not know do not think that they are going to get over it that it is going they are going to heal from it mm. a lot of people think that it's doomed it's finished it's done you know but having somebody in front of you telling you you know what you know i went through this and it was this and that oh you will get over it oh don't worry about it yeah yeah because i was surrounded by people who did not know about what depression what depression means you know, they could not talk Here, to me. Yeah, they couldn't help you. They, they couldn't could not talk to you. They couldn't me. reach you. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, th- that is that is profound. And that is one of the things I absolutely love about this show is that we can, we can go from talking about fashion to talking about mental health issues. And I love that because you know what? Life doesn't live in boxes, right? In compartments. It doesn't work. It's all mixed in there and it is what it is. And we just kind of, we have to figure out how to go with the flow. And I'm so grateful that you shared that. Now, in the time that we have left, and you've been so generous with your time, in the time that we have left, Safi, I want to make sure, first of all, people know how to follow you. I think what you just said, I want people to know that they they have a platform through you where they can sound their voices. So where can people find you online? 
I'm sorry. Can you say that again? Sorry. Now, so where can people find you online? Okay, they can find me at okay, okay, uh, on Instagram, uh, Saraya Fashion, S as in Sam, A R as in Robert, A Y A A Fashion at Saraya Fashion. So that's that's the best way to you know to reach me, or you know they can also reach me by email, Saraya with one A couture.gmail.com. <laughs> that and you know if somebody would like to talk about it more deeply, they can also you know send me an email and or reach me by by Instagram and I can give them you know my number and we can talk about it. I'm really open and like regardless, you know, I will help. Like you know somebody needs to reach out, I will definitely help. You know, it would be wonderful. It would be wonderful if you know you out of your very busy schedule, if from time to time when we have a lot of these women's conferences or leadership conferences and so on, that you, you talk to people because, again, there are not a lot of people out there who are doing this, especially on the continent. There are not a lot of people who are talking about this. But it's not just about mental health. It's also about your fabulous fashion. I want to keep talking yes. about that because those things are synergistic, right? It's th- There is a relationship and there's a cadence that you said you cannot talk about Thraya without talking about that part of your life being depressed. So I just want, I don't want people to come to you just for that one part. I want them to come to your <laughs> fabulous, fabulous clothes and to buy your fabulous clothes yeah. as well. So yeah. both those things. And um, any, I always like to ask because I like advice. What would you say to the little African girl the little girl in Norway, the little girl in Detroit, the little girl in, you know, uh, Indonesia, who has a dream about being a fashion designer. What message do you have for her? First, they have to be passionate. Mm. That's the one number one thing that will actually make you stick. Mm. Because when you are passionate, regardless of what is happening, you are going to stay into it. Yeah. Number one. Number two, don't always listen to people. Listen to them, but you are the one who will make the decision. Yeah. Don't make anybody else make that decision for you. Okay? So that's, I would say, uh, and be determined. Be determined. Um, regardless, you know, have a vision mm-hmm. because the vision is very important. Like, you can have a dream or something, but if you don't have any vision, if you don't have objectives, you are not going anywhere. Yeah, you know, dreams, you have to know... One one day or two days or one year or five years from now, where are you going to be? Mm. That's extremely important. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Drawing that distinction between a dream and a vision. And the action yeah, plan yeah. that goes with the vision. Because a dream doesn't come with an action plan. A vision that, Exactly. <laughs> exactly. A dream is, oh, okay. Oh, gosh. I love fashion. Oh, wow, 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 wow. Okay. Now the vision is, okay. Now that, you know, I have my dream, this is what I would like to do. And this is where I would like to be in this time frame. Yeah. That's extremely important. There is a a difference. Fabulous. And in terms of events, any fashion shows that are coming up that, you know, and in in what city so that people can kind of catch you if they're in town? Do you have anything coming up? Yeah, well, I, uh, gosh, there is, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be everywhere at the same time. <laughs> like, I'm going to be in Paris at the end of the month. I'm supposed to be also in, in Côte d'Ivoire. There is a big event, but all of that, I'm going to 
put it on my Instagram, you know, for people to see. Excellent. Yes, you know, I should be in London also. Like all of that is coming up. All of that is coming up. I'm working on it right now. And if you can send us that schedule, I would love to put it on the on the website as well, please, so that our listeners please, can know where to please, catch you. Please, right. please, please, please. Safi, it's been such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much. I love your beret. I see that that tip you're giving to the military there. <laughs> I love that beret. And even your camouflage, your t-shirt is camouflage. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you know what? I've been saying that I should take a picture um, when guests come through of us just chatting. And don't worry, I will not post it if you don't give me permission to. But it would be... No problem. Are. Love it. I don't do this as video, right? It's just audio. So it's good for people to have a sense of what the energy was like when we had this chat. So, Safi, merci beaucoup. I didn't mention earlier that you're French speaking. So you've held it. You're doing better with English than I do with French. So again, thank you. Thank you so much, you know, for having me. It's, it was a pleasure. And, you know, talking about depression is therapeutic for me, you know. Good. And... Uh, Thank you so much for giving us, you know, this opportunity, this platform. And, you know, I'm very happy to have done this with you. Thank you. And please come back anytime, anytime. I will. I will. All right, Safi. Bye. Bye -bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed our latest episode. Share your thoughts in the comments below or by emailing ab at mamatalktalk.com. Continue the conversation in your homes and communities. And when you join us next week, please invite a friend or many. For more diverse perspectives on everyday issues from everyday people around the globe, please subscribe to our podcast at mamatalktalk.com forward slash a different take and join our online family by following us on Twitter and Instagram. Until we meet again, I'm your host, Abi Mambo. Sigashina, stay well.